So every year, about a month and a half before, my mom would drag me and my hundred siblings to Ralph's in Glendora. And she would have a very huge list of groceries to get for the big day. And so she would assign each of us, and I, I think it was kind of crazy thinking back that me and my little brothers, we'd run through the store to go grab, well, she wouldn't let us run, but we'd have to go get different stuff. But the finale of the grocery store shopping was when we would all come together and we'd pick out the turkey. And she'd always say, find the biggest one because our family is so huge. And back then I didn't know to read, you know, how many pounds it was. You would get it, have both your brother, and we'd just kind of try to see which one's heaviest. Um, and we'd finally pick one out. And I remember being shocked because I think the bill was $250. And for me, I was like, oh my goodness. Um, but then the big day would come, Thanksgiving day. And we'd get up in the morning and my mom would always say, don't eat because we're going to have our big lunch at 12 when everyone shows up. So don't, don't eat anything because you want to be hungry. And for a kid growing up in America, I had never skipped a meal in my life, you know, so I, at, by, by 11 o'clock, we were starving, you know, the, the smell from the oven was coming out, uh, you know, she'd be chopping stuff everywhere, and, and, and just the excitement and the hunger would all grow, and we couldn't wait. But the problem was, is my siblings that were married would often show up late and we'd have to wait for them. I don't know what it is about holidays, but it feels like people wake up and say, huh, I got to be somewhere. How can I be as late as possible? That's what it felt like as a kid. And I remember 12 o'clock would roll around, even though they were supposed to be there at 1130, they wouldn't be there. 1230 would roll around, they wouldn't be there. Sometimes 1, 130, and there's one year where it was 2 o'clock. They come strolling in unapologetic. They unload everything, use the restroom. Me as a kid, I'm like, I want to eat, I want to eat, I want to eat, I want to eat, you know? And so finally, after we get settled, we all sit down and then my dad would be like, all right, who wants to pray? This isn't uh, an insight to how spiritual my family was, but we'd always be like, I don't, not me, you pray, you pray. And we'd go back and forth. So finally, I remember as a kid, I was like, okay, I'll pray just so we can eat. So I prayed, the moment ended, I got my fork, I was going to dip down. And then all of a sudden my dad said, oh, wait. I forgot. All 25 of us were going to go around and say three things that we're thankful for. I almost fell over as a kid. Thankfulness. You know, we've been going through this series called The Art of Joy. And the, the idea behind it is that the gospel isn't just good because one day we get to go to heaven. But the gospel is good because God promises us joy. Through his spirit, he promises us community with him, community with each other. And during these hard times, I think it's easy for us to get so distracted with all that's going around us and kind of lose sight of that. And so in the previous weeks, we've talked about how to preach the gospel to yourself. We talked about how to meditate on the word of God to get that truth, to bring out joy in our lives. And today we're talking about how we can find thankfulness and practice thankfulness in our walks with Christ and how that'll bring out joy. But the question is this, how do you practice thankfulness? Because for a lot of us, it's just purely based on circumstances. You get a gift and then you're like, okay, I got this gift. Now I'm thankful, right? Or for some, is, is it something that I can just tell myself? Like, you know, there's books about this that I can just be thankful. Okay, I'm happy. I'm happy. I feel good. I'm thankful, right? Or we can focus on the good things and not the bad things. Does that work? And is it something that we can just do? Interestingly enough, I mean, the Bible in several places in Thessalonians, it's like a command. 
It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Ephesians tells us to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Psalms, it's all over the place to give thanks. But is it that simple? Is it just something we can get up in the morning and say, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, and keep telling ourselves that, and then it comes out. Well, I think it is a little bit more complex. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. It's Colossians 3. If you have your Bibles or phones or laptops, open them up to Colossians 3, starting in verse 15. But Colossians 3, Paul is writing this letter to the church, and he's telling them, hey, this is what it looks like to be a new creation in Christ. This is what it looks like to be the body of Christ together and how you are to act and how are you to practice this new faith you have. And through that, he talks about thankfulness. So if you have your Bible, Colossians 3, verse 15, we're going to look at what he says. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And get this, and be thankful. And be thankful. Okay, so here, here's this command. Okay, I, I'm supposed to be thankful as the body of Christ. But is it just that? Do, is it just like, okay, I've read the, the scripture this morning. Now I'm going to be thankful. It's not that simple. Because what did he say right before? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Well, what, what is the peace of Christ? What is that that you just feel calm all the time? I certainly don't as a Christian. There's days where I'm stressed out of my mind. The peace of Christ, we find what it is in Romans 5.1 when Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the peace of Christ? It's the gospel. It's the good news that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came down, died on a cross, and took the wrath of God so that we could have a peaceful relationship with him as his children. And so what Paul is saying is he's saying, hey, look, this is what you have. The gospel has been given to you. Peace has been given to you. Not only let that kind of work itself in the church, in the body of Christ, but that should cause you to be thankful. You see, I think our, our secular culture, like I said, there's books about this. There's, you know, little events you can go to on how to have, be more positive and be thankful. And, and, and oftentimes the, the strategy is, okay, I, I'm going to be thankful. So I'm only going to think about the good. I'm not going to think about the bad. And hopefully that that outweighs that. And, you know, sometimes that kind of works. But the problem is, if you're thankful based off of your good circumstances, that can get pretty rocky and unstable, can it not? I mean, maybe you're the person you're like, well, my finances aren't going that well, family's not going that well, but I have my health. At least I'm healthy, so I am thankful. Yeah, that might work until your health fails. Or, you know, I, I have a bad health problem and my finances are bad, but my family is rock solid and they love me and I love them. We're one happy family, right? Everything's good. But then what happens when a family member gets hurt or they do something that hurts you? Or, you know, I don't have a good family, I don't have good health, but my finances are killing it. My stocks, they're awesome. I'm rocking it, you know. Everything's good. But what happens is we've seen this year how many people have lost their jobs and we've seen the stock market do this. 
You see, when thankfulness is based off of your circumstances, it's unstable because circumstances aren't stable. But what Paul is saying here is, hey, be thankful because you have peace with God. And that can't change. Those circumstances are eternal and unfading. Those don't, go, it never goes away because when God proclaimed you justified, it was eternal. It was written. It was God's word, which can never change. So that's why you should be thankful. Peter says it this way. If you'll bear with me, Peter chapter four says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, get this, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. In this, you rejoice. What's Peter saying? As a believer in Christ, your eternity is sealed. It's unfading. Un, it's kept in heaven. It's undefiled. It's eternal. You see, when it comes to being thankful as a believer in Christ, you can be thankful all the times because what you're thankful for never can be taken from you. Because God holds it. Because God is the one that holds your salvation that says, hey, you may at times sin, you may at times do things, but I will always be at peace with you because I have proclaimed you mine. Because at the cross, I said, you are holy and you are my child and I've adopted you and no one takes you out of my hand. That's why Paul says, hey, be thankful. Let this be what causes you peace in the body of Christ and thankfulness because of this gift. You see, the Bible commands thankfulness because it assumes you have embraced the most thankfulness-producing gift ever given. It's not so much about just being thankful, but about remembering what you're thankful for. Maybe lately, your attitude has not been one of thankfulness. I, I'll confess that firsthand. Maybe you've been kind of just irritable. Maybe you've been down, disgruntled, upset, and, and you're struggling. I think a lot of us are. May we be reminded today in these moments like this when we're down, to remember the gift we've been given in the gospel. Let's look up to what God has done. You know, the very first few verses in Colossians 3 of our text, Paul says this, he says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The call for us this morning to be grateful and thankful, the call is to look up, not at our circumstances, but look at what God has done, signed and sealed for us. So that's the first thing. Let's quickly go through the second points that Paul's going to point out about being thankful. Uh, read with me verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God, get this, with gratitude in your hearts. So he's, he's kind of painting this picture 
of what we do as the church, what we do as Christians, what we do together, right? It's a lot like what you see on a Sunday morning pre-COVID where you come together, you uh, you worship, you fellowship, you sing about the Lord, you hear the word of God proclaimed, the gospels proclaimed, and you support each other and admonish each other. Admonish is to support, care for, correct, be with one another. But then he says at the end, gratitude will come from your hearts. Remember, we, we asked the question, of is thankfulness a choice or result, right? So in other words, can we just be thankful for something and choose I'm thankful for this? Or is it more of a reaction of I've gotten this gift and kind of a knee-jerk thing where now I'm thankful? Well, Tim Keller says, it is one thing to be grateful. It is another thing to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. So in other words, thankfulness is your choice and reaction from, wow, look at what God has done. I'm going to be thankful. Gratitude is more of the feeling. It just flows out. It just comes out. And Paul here is saying, hey, when you're part of the church, when you're part of the body of Christ and you're reminding each other of the gospel and caring for each other, gratitude flows out. It's a reaction and it just comes out. It's like that coach that, His health is fading, so he can't be at the final game. So he's sitting in the hospital bed watching the TV of the final game, and they're about to score the last winning point, and he's screaming, and he's excited. He's yelling. The nurse is coming like, hey, you need to calm down. Why are you so excited? And he's like, I'm excited and thankful because my team is winning. They're they're winning, and it's that part of just being part of the community that causes you to be thankful despite your own circumstances. You know, in 2020, I think a lot of us are struggling. A lot of us maybe become complainers, discouraged, or whatever it be. And I think a lot of that is because we haven't been meeting as the body of Christ. I mean, we've been trying. We've been doing stuff on Zoom. We've been doing stuff on YouTube and Facebook. And God's using that. Absolutely. The church is still moving and thriving. But it's not totally the same. It's not totally the same as when we're together and doing what Paul is talking about, admonishing each other saying, hey, I know you're struggling, but you know what? The gospel still shines real in your life. Be grateful. Be Have hope in this. So we've talked about the gospel causes us to be thankful. That's the first thing. The second thing is community causes us to be grateful, right? And thankful being more of your active response. I'm going to thank God. Grateful is more of the feeling that comes out of it. Now we're going to look at the third aspect that Paul talks about in Colossians. You still with me? Uh, Colossians 3, 17, he says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Get this, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Our third point is mission causes thankfulness or mission cultivates thankfulness. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's a different book of the Bible, but it's a powerful story. Same author, Paul. He's writing to the church in Philippi, book of Philippians. You've read it, hopefully. You can uh, trivia each other right now on your couch or sofa with your family. But uh, where is Paul when he writes the letter to the church in Philippi? The book of Philippians, where is he? He's in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard. And he's not just in prison chained to a Roman guard, but he is in a place where he doesn't know if he's going to live. 
They could very well kill him. And not only that, the church in Philippi is being persecuted at this time. They don't know if they're going to live. And Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi. So I would imagine if it was me writing the letter, I'd be like, guys, life is terrible. This Roman soldier reeks of B.O. The food is horrible. I don't know if I'm going to live. Pray that I get out of this. I hate where I'm at right now. Everything is awful. Just pray. I'm trying to hold on to my faith. But get what Paul says to the church. One of the very first things after his greeting in Philippians 1, he says this. Philippians chapter 1, he says, I thank my God. Every time I remember you, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul lived a life on mission. And when your life is set on the mission of God, When your life is about, you know what, Lord, you must increase. I must decrease. I want to make your name great. I want to see your kingdom move. When your life is on mission for that, thankfulness can't help but come out. Why? Because when you choose the kingdom of God to be your mission, guess what? The gates of hell can't even crush the kingdom of God. Your mission is always going to win. So even when Paul's in prison, not knowing if he's going to live strapped to some smelly soldier, he can say, hey, I have joy and I'm thankful because what my life is about, about the mission is moving forward. And that's what I'm about. And he's going to bring into completion the work that he started in the church in Philippi and all these other churches. And I'm happy and I'm grateful and I'm thankful because his mission was on point. For us as a church, we can't lose our mission. For us as believers, we can't lose our mission to make God's name great. My last church I was at, I mentioned earlier that we went through a pastoral transition and it got ugly. Well, it did. People lost their mission. They got bitter. They got angry. They got hurt. They were afraid. And all these arguments started going out, out and about. People were just upset. There was kind of a, a, you know, cry for this person should be the leader. This person should be the leader. Well, I'm hurt here. And the pastor didn't address that when he left. And, and it was just became a negative culture. And the idea of thankfulness was just a foreign concept for the body of Christ. Why? Because I think we lost our mission. Instead of it being about the gospel and about God's name and about the love of Christ going out, they thought about themselves. Well, how do I feel about all this? Why wasn't I considered? Why wasn't this person considered? I'm not happy about it. Are you happy about it? They've forgotten. You know, one thing, I've only known Pastor Ray for a little over a year. But one thing that stood out above anything else was... After COVID happened, he came back from his sabbatical. And it was that first staff meeting. We didn't know he was going to come back, but he was there. And I remember he gave us this devotional. He said, guys, we cannot let this distract us from the gospel. How can we use this 
to further the kingdom of God? How can we be the church and proclaim the gospel in this? How can we move forward head on despite what's happening? Because our mission is clear. And then I remember when all the social justice stuff came up and he'd say, you know, there are social justice. We want social justice. There is sin in the world. But he'd say, hey, it's all a result of a fallen world that needs Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're preaching. That's what we're proclaiming. That's what we're about. And I'll never forget that because I think Pastor Ray is a man who understands the mission of God. And I'm hoping that that culture that he set for 17, 20 years in this church, that that will continue. And we'll be a church that says we are grateful and thankful because the mission of God has happened here and it's still happening here. And we're all for it. We're together as a community. We admonish each other. We care for each other, which causes gratitude. And we're all about the gospel. And that's what we're thankful for. Does that make sense? That's what we're about. That's what we're about. And so, so we bring this to a close. What do we do? Well, we talked about three things. The gospel brings thankfulness. Community brings gratefulness. And then mission cultivates thankfulness. But let's even get more practical. What does this look like for you later today or tomorrow? I don't know. But I'll give you some ideas. And you can, after the sermon, sit down, maybe with your family members or whoever you're with and say, hey, how can this become our culture? Some ideas is maybe when you wake up in the morning, first thing you do, instead of grab your phone, say, God, thank you that I am loved and eternity is secure because of you, Jesus. Maybe it's the practice of thankfulness in the morning. Maybe it's you're going on walks and you're saying, you know what? On this walk, all I'm going to do is thank you, God for what you've done. And thank you that for when you do something, it's eternal, it's permanent, it's unfading, undefiled, and imperishable. And that's my hope. Maybe it's your next family time. If you do devotions, praise God. Um, maybe you started off every time and saying, how can we thank God for the gospel? How can we thank God for heaven? How can we thank God for that there's joy in him? Maybe it's being more part of the church. Like Paul says in Colossians, that as we're together, and we admonish each other and proclaim the word of God that gratitude flows out. Maybe you need to get more involved. Maybe you need to start asking, hey, how can I serve? How can I love? How can I care? How can I get in a small group or whatever it is? Maybe it's just something as simple as a sticky note on the mirror, right? When you wake up in the morning, it says something like, Jesus loves you. And then you say, thank you. Maybe it's next time you fail in sin. After you've repented, after you've made it right, after you've asked for forgiveness, you use it as a time to praise God and say, God, thank you that I could even come to you in my sin. And thank you that your cross was greater than my sin and that you've taken away my sin and that now I can have peace with you. Lord, thank you that even in my failure, you are good and you are God. Maybe it's as simple as what Paul said in the beginning of Colossians. Look up. Set your mind on things of God, not on things of earth. Let's be a church where thankfulness flows out of us because of the gospel, because of our community, because of our mission.